Atlanta's mayor readies for a new phase in the fight over the training center. Welcome to a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your hosts, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, and Bill Nigert are here with a special interview with Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us. And first up, recently, as of, as of just a few days ago, we learned that there could be legislation to bypass all these legal proceedings and just put the question of whether or not we should have this public safety complex on the ballot for voters to directly cast their ballots on. Uh, Would you support a referendum on this? Yeah, so it's important to know who puts what on the ballot. Um, This is important because if the city council decides that they want to put a referendum on public safety on the ballot, that is different than the process that's already taking place, which is a 15% required petition to put it on the ballot. So one is the people are saying with a 15 percent signatures on a petition that that sends us to uh, a referendum. That's different. That's a clear, transparent process that actually has already begun. And the petitioners have already started that. And we're down the path on that process. And it's been going, you know, as designed. But if the city council says, prematurely that we don't want to see the results of that process that's been going on for 12 weeks or so. We want to now just jump right to the referendum. That then is a different play, which sends a different message to law enforcement and firefighters. Public safety looks at that, would look at that differently. I can see a a different view of the morale of public safety first responders. Consider it this way. Two different Elected city councils were were elected by the city of Atlanta, right, under Mayor Bottoms and then now with me. Two distinctive city councils had a veto-proof supermajority vote in favor of the Public Safety Training Center. So the people of Atlanta voted for these folks way back in 17 and then in 21 voted in favor of the Public Safety Training Center by a supermajority, veto-proof. Then in 2023, a few months ago with me, they voted for it. 11 votes, which is huge. So then a petition comes and says, we want to change that. Well, that's the process. The petition is the process. Council already made a decision. Um, and so I think that that would be, um, you know, premature of the city council to not wait on the results of the counting of the vote, uh, accounting of the signatures in the petition. So to be clear, Mayor, you're against that idea and you, would you veto it if it passed? I'm hoping that they don't even bring it up. I don't think that it would be wise for the city council to produce legislation on this, given that if they go through a few cycles of city council, you'd be at the October vote, you know, petition verification process anyway. So, they, you know, think about it. The ballot is way in March. They've missed the deadline to get on the ballot in November. Right. And so if. This is going to happen in March. Why would council jump the gun and prematurely go for a referendum? We might as well wait for this petition process to play out. So that's what I say. I'm, I'm looking forward to what's inside of the boxes. Let's talk about that petition process. You said that it's um, uh, moving forward, uh, that it's been begun, but it's also been um, tied up in court to be counted. Um, the city's attorneys are working, um, it seems from our point of view, um, perhaps to question whether those are valid or not. Tell us exactly what the city's position is on those signatures, um, why it's in court and uh, where you see this going. Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that because I definitely support a clear, open, transparent, you know, process, one that's fair and democratic and definitely on that that's legal. Um, And what happens is this process was moving along. Uh, Individuals came to the clerk. And by the way, the clerk does not report to the mayor. The clerk reports to the city council. So the clerk is a, you know, independent agent of me. But they go to the clerk. The clerk gave them petition forms based on what they wanted to have on the form. The clerk printed out copies for them, gave them the copies. They circulated the copies around and tried to get signatures from people. That's moving forward. But then they, the opposition, sued the city. The city did not sue anyone. The city, who would we sue? We don't know these, you know, who is the individuals, right? So this, they, they sued the city 
And so in that lawsuit, the city had to respond. And when the city responded, now the courts have said they rule in the city's favor. So had they not issued a lawsuit, this would have had a 60 day term, August 21st. They would have turned in how many other signatures they had and counting would have ensued that, you know, shortly thereafter. However, you know, collecting the boxes and then sending it off to a third party to scan them and count them. But because they sued. They sued the city and the city gave a response. And now the courts are saying the 11th Circuit Court says we got to put a stay on this. And so those signa- those petitions are invalid right now because they were received after August 21st. Uh, they were received, I think, on September 11th. Again, none of this has anything to do with me. I don't count signatures and I'm not in the legal process. What what we were doing was moving forward with um, uh, letting the process play out. And so now we're in a a wait and see for what the courts will say after this stay. So I think this is October time frame for the courts to make a ruling on, um, you know, the validity of signatures coming after that August 21st date. Um, I mean, I tell you from my personal opinion, I am looking forward to seeing what's in the boxes. I you know, these folks have collected signatures. I, you know, we got a half million residents, 500,000 residents in Atlanta. Yeah, I want to know how many, you know, support this. Okay. And um, step back for just a minute. We're way down in the weeds about yeah. um, signatures and timeframes and dates, et cetera. Um, we know that you ha- you support the Public Safety Training Center um, with this number of signatures turning up. How are you processing that? How is the how are your um, how is your police department processing that? Where are y'all um, when you see this number of signatures turn up? We don't know if they're all valid, but it's a big number. Yeah, I don't know what's in the box. Someone has said 116,000. None of us know what's actually in those, I don't know, 16 to 18 boxes. Um, 58,000 is the required number to get to 15 percent. Um, and so they, you know, they say they have 116,000. That's double. That's exactly two times the 58,000. So I don't know what's in the boxes. I'm looking forward to the verification process carrying out the clerk and a series of lawyers, Democratic uh, lawyers that have been around petition processes in other states and they have been around elections in Chicago, New York and other places where they do petitions. Uh, this is first for Atlanta. We have not had a petition process ever. Um, and so uh, the lawyers got together and figured out those processes. And then um, in consultation with folks like Stacey Abrams and Warnock and Ossoff said, hey, we need a cure process because if they put their signatures in there and they don't match, no, we're not doing exact match that's not a, a goal of ours to make sure that somebody I mean somebody's signature might have changed over the years somebody's a you know maiden name what have you all those things are fair game and so we've come up you know with you know the, the clerk and the lawyers have come up with a process to verify signatures that is legal and um, if a hundred and sixteen thousand signatures come in and all of them are valid then you you know resounding message um, as different than if, you know, there are invalid signatures, duplicates, wrong names, people that are not eligible to vote, et cetera. So, um, again, I look forward to see what's in the box. But as you ask the question about how does that feel, um, being in the mayor's seat or the chief of police or the chief of fire um, seat, we talk to public safety people most, you know, more than probably most people. Um, and the morale would be affected if the city council was to put it on the ballot directly after voting for it, after saying you're supportive of us, after saying, you know, you told us we needed more training. We need more training in anti-bias. We need more training in de-escalation techniques. We need more community-based policing strategies. We all said that's what we needed. Even in 2020, myself as a city council member, very, uh, you know, advocating after George Floyd and Rayshard Brooks, after numbers of, of, of incidents occurred, I'm saying we need more training. Everybody said that. So here we are about to do this, and the officers are very, the officers and fire rescue and E911 and EMS are like, we're training in horrible conditions <laughs> so we need to and now by the way it's training and retraining every year they get recertified this isn't just about recruits so this is about 
the people that you have seen for the last six to 10 years on the beat or coming to your rescue if you got a shortness of breath or you're having a stroke or a heart attack, this fire rescue person gets retrained and they need to have facilities in their city that is stated are in quality. And they would feel like this is a major step back um, because they're looking forward to this because the city of Atlanta deserves to have well-trained police officers and firefighters and E911 and EMS so that we can save lives and serve people. Mayor, it, it seems that at various stages in this standoff that optics have worked against uh, supporters of, of the training center and, and, and your uh, interest in making sure the training center gets built. And, and the most recent example was when the city clerk's office, and as you point out, they're outside of your control, essentially said, we are not counting these petitions because they didn't meet the deadline. As you can imagine, that inflamed the tensions, the outrage of the people who were out all summer in the hot weather trying to collect these uh, petitions. Now, Robbie Ash modified that, saying we have these confusing court rulings to deal with. Once that's settled, we'll see about counting the ballots that came in after that uh, deadline. But the optics of this just plain feel wrong. Do, do you agree with that for the clerk to say we're not going to count these petitions? Yeah, so I want to um, be very clear about that there was a process that was not interrupted, was not challenged, was not usurped. Um, the petition process was taking place and then the city got sued, right? The individuals took a gamble. They said that we can go out here and get more time or change the way this game is played. And they sued the city. And then the courts ruled in the city's favor. Now, they, they took a gamble and didn't turn in their petitions on August 21st when they should have. But here we are receiving late signatures. The, the clerk has made a decision that she does not want to be on the wrong side of the federal court system. So she is waiting for more guidance from the federal court, from the 11th Circuit. So what it may feel like we is one way, but what legal actuality is, is another way. I stated on here maybe three times already, I'm very interested in what's in those boxes. I want to count, I want to see the count, I want to know, and I want our public to know, which is why every signature is going to be posted online so you can see this is how this went, uh, this is, you know, how many votes, you can see it. Very transparent, very more transparent than any other city in the nation. But and do so, you believe no petitions should be counted after that original deadline, if they came in after that original deadline? Do you believe that's the correct approach to discount all of those signatures that came in after the deadline? So I'm going to give my answer, but I want to be very clear. Individuals that disagree with the decision of a supermajority of the city council elected by this city twice had a process that they chose to use, which is the petition process. And then they tried another thing on top of the petition process, and now they're in a legal challenge because the city uh, process said they had to have it in by August 21st, which was 60 days from the day they started. They did not follow that process when they didn't turn it in on time, right? So no matter what, you can set a precedent now that people can turn in things late and still be able to receive the same um, legal authority as if people turn it in on time. Think about all the things we have that there's deadlines to, from RFPs to permits to everything else that happens in the city. So the circuit court is going to decide whether or not you can receive these late petitions or not. Again, I'm very interested in it. I would like for that to happen, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to sit here and go on the opposite end of the circuit court, given the fact that individuals that disagree with the decision of the city council and myself had a legal authority to go through 60 days of collecting petitions and turn them in. We sat here day after day thinking that those petitions were going to come in. They never showed up. You guys were anticipating it. They never showed up. And so here we are now receiving them on September 11th. And so that makes it a challenging thing because the courts said these are late. And so the clerk is going to make a quality decision based on the law. 
and um, I hope that the city council does as well. Mayor, I want to go back to something you said earlier. You indicated that um, Stacey Abrams, that Senators Warnock and Ossoff helped come up with the, the vetting process, the strategy in terms of how you guys are going to look at the um, these ballots, right? Yeah, they weighed in on it. I mean, like it originally, imagine this, the city has never done a petition mm-hmm. process. So what was in code was collect these signatures and verify them. That's all it said to make sure they vote. Well, that could... How do you do that? We don't have a vote counting machine here because we're not, that's not what we do. We don't count signatures. So what do we do? We, we got to find out, okay, how do we do this? So in trying to establish a process, we found some, you know, national lawyers on, a, on you know, petitions and signatures and all this other kind of stuff to kind of come up with a process. We put out our, you know, the, 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 the first version of what the process would be. Uh, the clerk said, this is what they've collected so far. Folks said, hey, we got to have a cure. Oh, man, okay, how do you do a cure? Well, here's how they do it in this place, this place. Grab some more people. So it took about seven to 10 days to come up with all of this stuff. And we've, we asked questions of people like Warnock, who was very much about signature verification and uh, the, um, you know, voters' rights, et cetera, as well as Stacey Abrams, of course. So they weighed in on it and they said, okay, this looks like a process that now looks better. It's got more cure opportunities to it. And so now this process that's out there is setting the standard nationally for a cure and signature verification process. It is the it is the best process, I would imagine. So my follow-up to that is, you know, obviously we've seen groups, progressive groups that are allied with Stacey Abrams and some of these other, and some other Democratic leaders say they feel betrayed, that they feel like this process has gone off the tracks and is, and is a betrayal to Georgia's uh, voting rights ethos. Um, do you feel like those leaders you just mentioned um, – aren't standing with you at this moment too, uh, to, to try to sort of defray some of this criticism because you, oftentimes you're up front and leading on this issue and other leading Democrats, um, you know, I know you have some, obviously a lot of support from city council, but other leading Democrats are not up, as upfront about you as this is about you as you are. Well, you know, what I'd say to that is think about how far we've removed from the, the central thesis of this whole thing is public safety. Like we literally started with defund the police and then the argument was we don't need def- we, we, we need to defund the police. We don't need to spend money on police. We don't need to spend money on training. And then they when people start saying, oh, wait a minute. Yes, we do. We had 171 homicides last year and now we're at 95. Good Lord willing, we will stay that way. We have done a lot for policing and non-policing activities to bring down violent crime. People are like, hey, easy now. We do need police and firefighters to be trained. But that was their central thesis. Then they moved to the environment. This is in the woods. And then you go out there and it's like, oh, it's only 85 acres. There's still huge amounts of trees. There's, you know, ponds and lakes and streams. And, and the EPD approved this. You know, the Environmental Protection Department approved the, the site plan and the things that we're doing. And so they moved off of the environment. And then they moved on to, you know, a number of other issues. You know, who's, you know, uh, this is going to kill all black people. It's going to be, the, you know, this crew, that crew is going to be damaged in the process they're going to militarize police they're going to have black hawk helicopters all those things every step of the way we move further and further from the central thesis and then we got to oh well we're going to do this petition they're not going to let us you know do a petition and then I didn't intercede. I didn't intrude. I didn't go out on the belt line and say, hey, no soliciting on the belt line. You know, that's not what you're allowed to do here. Um, all these public and private spaces that you're like, I can't go out and campaign mm-hmm. on, you know, at parks for vote for me as mayor. That's illegal. But you can do all this solicitation and loitering, all those things. Okay, fine. Then they go to signature match, signature verification. Now we're way far away from public safety. We're out here talking about signature verification. Then they, we, we, we come up with a cure and all that kind of stuff. Now we're way down here on are we good Democrats? Uh, are we, are we um, allowing, you know, uh, a legal basis to, you know, do something about uh, petitions? We're way down here questioning our Democrat. You know, let me just be clear. Democrats like public safety too. All right. It's it, it and and if you don't think so, look at all the ones who lost that in um, you know, in, in congressional races that couldn't say the word, you know, public safety. So I think that, you know, I, I don't want 
to have any good Democrat on the you know wrong side of this issue or us at odds and all those things that people would like us to do. I, you know, I'm the guy that says I draw circles. I don't draw lines. I'm going to bring people together. And, you know, this has been a tough one to bring everybody together. But at every step of the way, when they move the goalposts to get a victory, then something else shows them that, you know, uh, it, the EPD rules in our favor. I mean, you think about it, the Cab County Zoning Board said this was approved. The Cab County Commission approved this. The city, two different city councils approved this. The EPD approved this. Every time they do a lawsuit, it's ruled in the city's favor. <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're proving that this is what people are looking forward to is having a safe city, one that has well-trained police officers to keep us safe. So um, I hope that those individuals that continue to try to stoke the fires of is this good for Democrats? And I hope that Democrats continue to say either one, this is not their lane because they're not running the city government or two, that every time they have a reasonable conversation with the administration, the clerk or to the uh, city council, they understand where we are. But do you feel like you're getting the backup you need from from national, state and local Democrats when it comes to this issue? Because sometimes it seems like you're just you, you might be out there on an island alone. Yeah. Oh, well, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm all the way alone. I'm not going to cry that. But what I'll say is, um, you know, this might be a little tough to, to swallow, but intimidation is real. Um, you think about folks that like when I go to a senior center, they ask me questions about can you get that sidewalk fixed? And can you make these people slow down because they're driving too fast in front of my senior high ride? Question number five or six I swear to you, is always, why are these people not wanting our police and firefighters to be trained? I go to senior centers every single week, and they ask me those questions. I go to barbershops, and they ask me, like, hey, man, hey, bro, I don't know why these people tripping about the public safety training center, man. You need that. You know, they got different names for it. They they, they don't call it always public safety training center. It's not, it's not the coolest of names. It's not, the opposition got a cool name. Yeah. Um, but, but folks are like, but those people are very loud and they also saw Molotov cocktails thrown at police officers, fireworks thrown at police officers. They saw windows being bashed on downtown buildings and bashed out, broken out uh, police cars and fires of police cars, police motorcycles. And they seen that the contractors have gotten feces smeared all over their backyard or their back patio furniture. And they've had, shrimp thrown at officers and rancid meat thrown at officers right here on P Street. And then a youth center at Promise Center was an attempted firebomb or whatever you call those Molotov cocktails. So when you say you disagree with these folks, you know what these people are capable of and what they have tried to do and what they have insinuated they will do. I mean, after that 11-4 vote, they were very scared city council members. We had to protect them because there was hate mail and threats against their lives. In and the council meeting, there were threats against their and, lives, right? And yeah. Against their lives in the council meeting. And then once they got home, you know, their, their, their significant others are like, these people called us or these people came by or whatever. So this is um, scary stuff to side with. Um, and I'm, you know, convinced that we're doing the right thing, but it's not comfortable. I can be honest about that. Mayor, a number of those incidents that you just listed, um, as well as an incidents of vandalism against Ebenezer Baptist Church, are now the subject of RICO charges for more than 60 people. Um, we haven't heard much from you about those RICO charges. They were brought by the state, not by Fulton County. Um, do you feel like those charges are appropriate to what you've seen from the mayor's office? Yeah, of course, you know that the mayor's office does not issue indictments. The city, you know, the Atlanta Police Department nor the city issues those indictments. Those came from the attorney general's office after a grand jury saw enough evidence to say this should go to a judge and jury. Um, they saw enough evidence at Ebenezer Baptist Church, at the at Promise Center, of course, at the uh, construction site of the Public Safety Training Center, at the 191 P Street building. All of these incidents of vandalism, of um, you know, uh, various, uh, you know, arson 
and even, um, you know, some attacks on individuals, some uh, uh, assaults, and they had a variety of charges. And, you know, I can tell you that um, those things are very real. And uh, those individuals have gone to other places and done harmful things like gas, uh, you know, gas and oil pipelines and places of uh, other things related to public safety or, you know, um, various things related to um, uh, just just things that they want to protest against across the nation. They're not they're they're not nonviolent. These people. um, So our folks around here that are nonviolent. Standing next to individuals that are not nonviolent, you are getting rubbed off and standing next, you're adjacent to people that are consistently doing bad things. Um, they mislead folks and say, we're going to have a, a a party, a festival, and then they change their clothes in the woods and come out in all black and throw Molotov cocktails and throw uh, accelerants and gas. That's dangerous. And so they should be they were properly charged uh, by being arrested by either Atlanta police or uh, DeKalb police or the GBI or somebody arrested them um, sometimes in the act of doing violence and sometimes after video has shown them doing it. Um, But it's going to be up to the court to decide their fate if they are guilty or not guilty. I'm curious, um, as you point out, it was attorney general Carr who brought these uh, charges. Um, But, the results of those charges land at your doorstep because they further inflame the opponents who yeah. then uh, uh, hold you accountable for um, uh, the uh, opposition to what they're trying to accomplish. Did the attorney general connect with you? Did he call you? Did he say the grand jury is looking at these charges? I will keep you in the loop on this, and before we announce anything, I'll make sure to let you know directly, get your feedback. Were you involved in the process? Again, I know you're not part of that, but to what extent did Attorney General Carr keep you up to speed on all this, or did it catch you off guard? I think it's a little bit of both, because what has happened is I started realizing that, you know, People can't keep secrets. I mean, you go somebody's supposed to be, you know, if they're working on something and they're saying that we're going to do a thing and they're working it through the Fulton County's process or, you know, state's process, somebody's going to call somebody and say, hey, there's a thing that's going to happen at some point. Um, They may not know exactly all the details, but there was some indication that there was going to be. Um, you know, the, the grand jury is impaneled for a time. That same grand jury uh, indicted Trump as well as indicted these 60 individuals, 60 plus individuals. So that same grand jury was impaneled of regular Fulton County voters. And those vote, those regular Fulton County folks made a decision to indict both Trump and these 60 plus people. And I kind of knew that something was making its way through there. Well, I, didn't well, know how I, it I understand that it was the attorney general who brought these charges and you're not involved in that process. But I want to know about the cooperation across party lines between the attorney general's office and you as mayor in terms of his keeping you up to speed, given that all of this lands at your door, um, about what was happening. I'm sure you heard informally yeah. that things were going on in the grand jury that related to, uh, to the police training center um, disruptors. But did you have any communication with the attorney general directly? Did he say to you, I'm going to bring these indictments? Did he ask for your thinking about it? Um, So he did not ask my thinking about it um, because he's going to do his job and I'm going to do mine. But he did give me a heads up and his heads up came, you know, within a, a, a day. It wasn't enough to for me to go out there and say, hey, everybody, this is about to happen. I didn't want to I'm not in the process of indictments, mm. but out of courtesy, you know, something major was about to happen in our city. So I, I had one more up. question because um, I know we're coming toward the end of our time. You've made it clear that the uh, facility will be built. The protesters are showing no signs of having any diminishment of their energy, their anger, their passion to stop it. What's the future as you move forward? How do you imagine, if you're correct, this center is built, do you imagine that the energy against it just dissipates and everything calms down? 
or do you see an ongoing crisis with people who will never quite give up? I'm very happy that you asked that question. I'm happy about your question too, Patricia, and your question <laughs> Not too, Not so much. No. <laughs> Mine was the best question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that question because it's a good question to end on because I really am looking for a way for reconciliation. Um, we all need to come back together and heal after this tense year around uh, this public safety training center. Um, that needs to happen. I want to be fully engaged in it. I, I, I will go first and I will go last. I will be there to the very end of the full reconciliation process of this. I want our clergy, our you know, activists, our nonprofits, everybody to sit at the table and say, where do we get, where do we go wrong? And how do we heal? How do we get back on the right path? That was sort of why the task force was there. To, that there's a task force of uh, 39 individuals that gave their time. And they even, you know, they, they gave fantastic recommendations and we accepted all of their recommendations. They gave us recommendations on police, fire, EMT curriculum. Um, how to make sure that this is community-based curriculum, parks, and what to do about the you know trails, and how to make sure that we have active spaces for everybody, what to do with the old prison farmland that's still there, that's untainted, um, despite people thinking it would be. It what do we do with all this stuff? So we got citizen input from the community stakeholder advisory group as well as the um, task force, and that is part of the you know, information gathering and education and figuring out what to do next to heal. But then we need to have a come together, a series of come togethers. Um, the thing that I'm hopeful of is that people know me by now. Um, and if they don't, you know, then I need to make sure that they know more about me where uh, the position I come from is togetherness. Bringing, you know, you look at everything I talk about, it's bringing people together, it's a group project, it's moving Atlanta forward together. I don't want us to be, you know, moving Atlanta forward not together with some people not with it and some people with it. And so when I look back at Chicago, Chicago had uh, Stop Cop Academy. That was a lot of the same individuals that are down here. Training center, it opened its doors last year. All of the fighting that happens here also happened there, but now it's subsided. It's open, people are getting trained there, and individuals are able to take tours, and some community healing is taking place because of that. Baltimore just announced a $300 million uh, public safety training center. Henry County voted unanimously last week or the week before on building one just south of Atlanta, a public safety training center. Um, theirs is about half the cost of ours, but they got, you know, a third of the force or a fifth of the force or whatever it is that we have in police and fire. So at Gwinnett, expended more money towards to expand theirs. Sandy Springs did one. I'm just talking about local and in, and where the fight is, it goes away once it's you know constructed, and once everybody's able to see that it's not a militarized zone, it's not Black Hawk helicopters. It's actually open to the public. You can go by there and uh, and interact with a officer that's in in training. The officer and you may be jogging. The firefighter and you may be jogging on the same trail. Um, and so, you know, what we aim to do is reset the narrative that this is not. Um, something uh, at the people that are uh, disagreeing with it. This is for them and this is with them. Um, I'm very hopeful that we can get to that point. I can tell you that everybody doesn't believe it. Everybody doesn't believe that we're going to have reconciliation. Everybody believes that the worst is, is going to stay worse <laughs> or get worse, sir. <laughs> so I believe that there's a pathway um, to um, healing and everybody being... Um, you know, at least at a at a point of um, respectful conversation, and, and and that this will happen, and people will be fine. Now, you know, that's that's that remains to be seen, though. Mayor, one final question before we wrap: If this issue does get on the ballot, is the city ready for an unprecedented referendum battle over this? Gosh, Greg, think about it like this: I, you know, I've been through campaigns in my life. I've been successful in every one of them. Thank God, from referendums to my name on the ballot. This is going to be, if it's a referendum, it would be five or six months of signs in these people's yards saying stop cop city, signs in these people's yards saying go public safety training center, go, whatever it's going to be. You're going to have signs. 
You're going to have noise. You're going to have fundraising. You're going to have TV commercials and flyers. All about public safety training center. Money spent. Meanwhile, my goal is to make Atlanta the best city in the United States to raise a child, which is why I'm making heavy investments in, you know, youth development and early childhood education in the year of the youth. We hired 5,000 young people. I would love that money to go to help their families be fed, help them in this housing crisis we're in. I want to build 20,000 units for affordable housing. When we have to spend money, large amounts of money advertising this thing or that thing, asking for donations. That, and then the other side to that is the morale of our public safety first responders. When someone, like right now, I have individuals and communities that you know, have sent me emails saying, you know, we don't want the public safety training center. And the very same community says, hey, they burglarized my favorite restaurant or they broke in 20 cars at my apartment complex. We need more police. So hold up now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You want more patrols, more police, but you don't want us to have a public safety training center that trains and retrains officers. The officers are like going to respond to that. They're going to do their job. They're professionals. But pulling up, a firefighter pulling up to someone's house that's called for a cardiac arrest or, you know, shortness of breath or fire, and you got a sign in your yard saying, I disagree with you being trained properly. Uh, conversely, a police officer showing up to your house and you're, you're saying, those guys down the street stole my X, Y, Z. And you want it. And you, I, you guys didn't patrol enough. Well, we got 1,600 officers when we want to have 2,000. This affects that retention, attrition, and recruitment. We don't have enough firefighters. We are doing the best we can. These officers have been on 12-hour shifts protecting people from protests. They've been on. Uh, these officers are doing a tremendous job. The city council home cars, increasing their pay. Same thing for firefighters. We're buying new equipment. we got four new fire stations coming, uh, one new police precinct coming. We're spending money on public safety because that's an investment in the future. But if you go backwards and you got a noisy campaign that kind of says public safety is now on the ballot, whether we want to have good public safety in Atlanta, whether we want um, public safety officials trained in our city or do they have to drive an hour to Forsyth County to Chipstick is the name of the place. That's a lot of gas for you environmentalists to see us burn every time we got to go get trained, right? That's a lot of fuel for these fire equipment. Um, and so I just think that level heads need to prevail and that, you know, the social media world allows them to, everything I said here will be, you know, retweeted in a negative. Um, I don't know if it's AI or if it's just going to be whatever, but they're going to say, you know, that I that I told them that it was 600 acres and that we were going to have Black Hawk helicopters and it, it they'll just say whatever and that we're not, you know, we're just horrible people. But the truth of the matter is, I think right now people are operating out of the comfort of safety that they're feeling this year. This year, with violent crime being reduced, it's very comfortable to say, why do we need more training? Why do we need more money spent towards police? This is a fragile state. We still are in a place of trying to bring down violent crime through policing and non-policing activities. The policing activities are, are working. We brought down drug dealers, gang leaders. We're collecting guns like crazy to get them off the, out of the hands of violent you know, offenders. This is important work. But if police officers don't feel like we have their backs, if firefighters feel like we don't have their backs, that will affect them some kind of way. They're professionals. They're strong. But I don't know what the effects will lead to in the community. So that's why I'm hope, hopeful that we don't have a loud, noisy referendum, but that we continue to use things like the task force that gave recommendations that are being utilized, the uh, the, the community stakeholder uh, groups that gave great feedback on how to best do this stuff. Um, and that we go with the fact that most of the citizens, citizens of Atlanta support it. We know this. Um, now we're just you know waiting on the boxes to be counted. Mayor, we know you have a tight schedule. Thank you so much for joining the Politically Georgia podcast. Thank you all. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to unpack what the mayor just said with AJC City Hall reporter Riley Bunch. This is Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome back to the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your host, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Bill Nigan here with AJC City Hall reporter Riley Bunch to unpack it all. We just heard from Mayor Dickens. Now we're going to hear from some of the protesters who are opposing this project. Uh, first, from Kamau Franklin. He is the organizer and founder of the Community Movement Builders, who is concerned about the process by which the city is using uh, to oppose a referendum on this public safety project. This has been a full frontal assault on making sure that people in Atlanta can have a decision in how city resources are being spent. So we're here today to say to the city council in particular, you can start the verification process, but you can also, you can also have a referendum process through your own vote. Monday, our understanding is that the city council members are putting forth a referendum in which they will decide on whether or not to have this be on the November ballot. We implore folks to do the right thing. And this is Kiana Jones, an activist and a plaintiff in the federal lawsuit seeking to force a referendum on the public safety project in Atlanta. We are DeKalb County residents who are disenfranchised by the fact that Mayor Dickens believes that it's okay to go into someone else's backyard and do this dirty work. We are DeKalb County residents, me very recently living directly behind the forest, which is also the neighborhood that I grew up in, but still living in unincorporated DeKalb County, not having a vote on this city council, and heretofore not having a voice. However, having my green space taken away from me and my family and my neighbors who had to file a lawsuit in order for our voices to be heard. Riley, you've heard a lot of what the mayors had to say over the last year about the Atlanta Public Safety Center, but today he broke some new ground. Absolutely. I think his interview gave us a lot of insight into questions that we were asking. You know, what is the viewpoint of the mayor's office? What are the discussions happening behind closed doors about the legal proceedings, about the referendum itself, and especially about counsel? And I think one of the biggest things that he said today is he does not support city council members putting um, passing legislation that would put a referendum question on the ballot through that process. So we have gotten word that council member Liliana Bach Diari is potentially going to introduce um, legislation next Monday that would do this. And the mayor said he was against it. Yeah. And he said he hoped that it never even reached that phase of, of legislation, that it wasn't even proposed. He says that if it went to this process, it should go through the legal process rather than be bypassed by city council. And he also said he's gearing up for what could be the most ex expensive, unprecedented referendum battle in Atlanta history. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the arguments against that is that city council has been or members on city council feel like they have been pushed to this point because of the back and forth between organizers and the city um, and the, the stall in the court. Right. You know, they, they want to get this over with quickly. Um, and I think that that would be their argument to currently like going about it this way. 
I really noted the mayor's demeanor. It really does seem like he is in the middle of a very long fight. Um, Greg, you also asked him uh, whether he felt like he wasn't getting support from his fellow Democrats who have who have weighed in um, on this a bit, but very few have come out and said, I fully support Mayor Dickens and this, and this uh, public safety training center. And um, you could tell that uh, he's... Uh, as you said, you know, on a bit of an island in this, and um, but it's a fight that he is obviously very committed to. Believes that there is um, overwhelming support in the neighborhoods of Atlanta. Believes that the protests are um, not indicative of the majority of how Atlantans feel. But it is also very apparent based on um, what's happening in the courts, what's happening with those petitions, and the fact that it is now bringing in civil rights groups, like to your point, like Fair Fight, um, like groups organized and founded by Stacey Abrams. We also um, saw the King Center starting to get involved in this. This feels like it's going to be a really epic battle. Yeah, Riley, you've been covering this close, more closely than anyone. But to me, it was news when he said that he had been consulting with Stacey Abrams, with Senators Warnock and Ossoff, about the language, about the process in which they they vet these these apparently 116,000 or so uh, petition signatures to put this issue on the ballot. He didn't go out there and say, hey, I'm, I'm out there all alone, but he did say there is an intimidation factor going on there that that is held back some other Democratic leaders and other city leaders from championing this project as much as he has been. Absolutely. And I think that what pulls in all of those different players, too, is the different fields that this battle is playing out on. We have the city council. You know, we have them in this. We have um, the court battles. Now we're pulling in the, the our federal delegation and asking them to weigh in on it, right? So it's all these different people and all these different factors that he's going to and is included in this. And we haven't heard much from the federal delegation on this. And I, I think that, you know, with given Atlanta's civil rights history, um, given the, this process that citizens are taking up to get this on the ballot themselves, um, you would expect to hear from Leaders like Stacey Abrams, Senator Warnock, who make voting rights such a primary issue in their campaigns. I, you know, I one of the things that struck me, um, unlike the three of you, I have not spent time with Mayor Dickens and gotten a chance to interview him in the past. Um, and one of the things that struck me is there's been a lot of talk over the last year about whether the city has done a very a good job in communicating the messages. Have they really got a strong message? for why the center needs to be uh, built? Can they communicate that uh, to the people out there who are on the fence about it? And one of the things I thought about with Mayor Dickens today is he is obviously really smart. He has an enormous grasp of lots of different facts that are kind of floating around in his head. And as we all asked him questions, he could walk through in great detail um, the processes that he was dealing with in terms of the questions we had. But to me, the problem with that was there were these key points that he did make, messages that could resonate, but they sort of get lost in the fact that he talks about it in great depth and detail. And, and I, I came away thinking if there were the right communication people there, they could say, Here's a 20-second soundbite, Mayor. This is really good. Use this to talk about it. And so I was interested in that. At the same time, I really loved hearing his thought process. Absolutely. And I think it plays into how complicated this issue is. There's so many moving parts, so many people involved. Everyone has a different reason as to why they support or they don't support the training center. And we also have to remember this is an issue that has been passed between administrations. It started under the Bottoms administration, and he has admittedly said he's kind of cleaning up some of the narrative that they've lost a handle on. So it, it's hard to get your message across to touch on all of the different points when there's so much noise and there's so many details to it. I think that's a great point, Riley. Um, this did start under Mayor Bottoms. And so this is not something that Mayor Dickens conceived of, decided to move forward, knew it would be difficult, but decided, yes, I'm going to do this. Um, at the same time, he he seems and is fully committed to making it happen. He is obviously hearing from 
officers on the street, leaders of Atlanta police fire, that um, they want this and they need this. He made the argument that this supports the idea and the specific um, need for police training and retraining. Um, and so he he really stuck by the thinking that he is going to make this happen. Um, however, when he was talking about that pushback and the intimidation, um, there also, um, to that point, has been a lot of protest and uh, threats against city council members, threats against Mayor Dickens, um, and now is the subject of state RICO charges brought by Attorney General Chris Carr, which adds a completely different legal and political angle on this and really, in a way, puts... Mayor Dickens and Chris Carr on one side because he said that he felt that these had had been properly charged, went into great detail about what um, the charges were about. Um, but then you also have protesters on the other side that is such a high wire for a mayor of Atlanta to walk. Riley, I'm curious about something. Late in the uh, conversation, he um, talked about some of the other initiatives that he cares deeply about. We know he does. Um, Year of Youth, affordable housing, and the like. I wonder if there's a little bit of the Shirley Franklin administration affecting him right now in the sense that when uh, Franklin became mayor, she had a broad array of uh, issues that she wanted to take on. One of the biggest ones was, I'm going to support arts and culture across the city. And of course, she ended up being, as she laughingly called herself, the sewer mayor, because she had a $3 billion uh, sewer effort uh, required by um, you know um, a federal lawsuit. And all of those other things went uh, to, to, to by the wayside in many ways. Is Dickens in that position as you watch him every day? Or is this the dominant a theme, or is he able to accomplish? Is he getting those other things done as well? I think it's a hard lesson to learn um, as a mayor, especially as a first-term mayor, that the initiatives that you come in and you want to set aren't necessarily always the top topics that you have to address. Um, I think that, yes, he has been pushing a lot of other initiatives and doing a lot of things for a year of the youth specifically, um, but the training center battle has just eaten up all the airspace. And I, I think it's important for him to not say, hey, I don't want to focus on this. I, I really want to focus on youth, right? You have to give the size of the issue, the attention it deserves. And I think that's what we see from him, you know, coming on the podcast today is trying to address some of the things that he hasn't addressed. Well, thanks for joining us on a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. This podcast arrives on your podcast platform Wednesdays and Fridays at 4 a.m., so it's waiting for you when you start your day. But beginning Wednesday, it will arrive in your feeds a little bit later. We'll be recording each podcast on Wednesday and Friday mornings, then publish it that day by 1 p.m. The podcast will arrive a little bit later, but that means your political news will be a little bit fresher, and we're preparing for the big debut of a daily show starting October 30th on WABE from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and of course always available on all your podcast platforms shortly thereafter. Thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. We release new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday, or whenever big news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song a celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.